Welcome to the CaperCast, a podcast where we discuss all kinds of cinematic heists and capers. This is episode six. My name is Stephanie Cook. I am joined by my co-host, Whitney Gardner. And Whitney, what are we discussing today? In honor of your oh, birthday, no less. Oh my gosh, I begged. I was like, okay, this one is going to be coming around, out around my birthday. We have to do it. We have to do the 1981 classic Great Muppet Caper. Muppets! (laughs) I was so excited for this one. And I had such a blast rewatching it again. I didn't, like, I I saw it not that long ago, but it's just so fun. How can you not love Muppets? I think especially after our previous heist movie, which was very dour and very serious and very Mm -hmm. felt very long, it was nice to have something extremely lighthearted and with musical numbers. (laughs) I know. It's so much fun. And we will get into that in like a second. But like, I want to quickly talk to you before we do that, because we both watched the first two episodes of Netflix's new show, Heist. Oh, are we going there? Okay, yes, like, yes, yes. I know this is, I put you on the spot, but like, I I finished the second episode last night and you had texted me to say you'd watch the first two. We had two. both watched it without yeah. having discussed. We were both, I guess, still feeling heisty and yeah, it's true. discovered we had both watched it. Yeah, I didn't realize, because um, for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, there's, I think, six episodes. So there's technically like three stories. They're broken up into two parts. Mm-hmm. So each true crime is kind of the like length of a full length movie. Like this is like two hours of heist yeah. backstory. You're really getting three movies basically with this show. Yeah, I, I'm. I was surprised to see that they broke them up into two episodes. I was just like, if you if you're if your show can be any length, why not just do it all in one episode? Yeah. But I guess it's nice to be able to like take a break and like get a, a snack or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I will like be intimidated to watch a movie because I'm like, oh, that's too long. But then I can binge like 13 hours of a film. So like, I wonder if it has something to do with like attention span, like people thinking, oh, it's shorter so I can watch this. Like I can fit this in. Right, right. That's true. Very true. The first two episodes focused on a heist that was pulled off by a woman. Like, oh my gosh, it was wild. So wild. I was, I had no idea about this heist. I had no idea about it either, which is crazy because like every heist thing that I have experienced, I think, well, no, there are some that are a mystery that, that are like where it went, no one will ever know. <laughs> but this one, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, we get to see her just not necessarily get away with it, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, she kind of gets away with it. Yeah. Her her name was Heather Tallchief and her partner was like a armed robbery guy who also murdered someone and is just into this really weird stuff and kind of brings her along and gets her into this world of right. criminal activity And you explore a little bit of Heather's backstory and kind of like why she was so susceptible to this guy's charms and affections. And then you really get into the heist. Like they walk you through everything that happened, which I was like not expecting. I was not expecting them to interview 
like the actual people involved. Right. That was really interesting to me. I mean, I don't, I am not sure like, okay, everyone should just go watch it on Netflix. I don't know if I want to spoil things. Yeah. Consider this, yeah. 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 I mean, if I'm set, I consider this a brief, a spoiler. They do interview Heather Tall Chief for mm-hmm. the documentary, but the woman who you're watching give the interview is not her. Yeah. I, I was floored by that. They don't tell you that until the very, very end, much. I guess, because she didn't want her face revealed or maybe her actual vocal mannerisms. I mean, maybe she is still sort of afraid and involved with the police of this guy who she got involved with, who's still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the woman who was reading her interview, like I fully believed her. Yeah, I was me like, give too. this woman an Oscar. She read this so naturally. Never once did I suspect she was acting. Me too. I like at the end, I almost did a double take when they're like, this was an actress. I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> it was, I know. It was so well done. And it's kind of like an upscale version of like forensic files or something because mm-hmm. like it's all reenactments and stuff, but it's like mixed in. They have interviews and right. these little like bits and pieces of, you know, the maps, the little like layouts of where they went, their routes and like all this stuff. But I was really impressed with the production value and just like how engaging and the pacing was everything about it. I was going to say that like, uh, normally I am not one for the reenactment vibe in (laughs) true crime, but they did a really good job with it. I don't know. It didn't bother me in this one at all. Maybe it's because they got really good actors or the production quality was really high, but yeah. I, I, it did not deter, like turn me off from watching it. Yeah. I think it definitely had something to do with the production value. Like again, comparing it to forensic files, you think about that and it's just like, oh my, I've been murdered. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, these really dramatic, silly reenactments. And this, I really bought it, you know, like, I'm going to say air quotes, Heather was voiceover, doing the voiceover and kind of walking you through what each scene was. And there wasn't really a ton of dialogue that the no, I don't think they spoke much at all. Maybe like one or two words here or there. Yeah. So I don't know. It was just like really interesting. And then sprinkled in with like the witnesses, the FBI people, the cops. I thought it was a really well done. I'm super curious now to watch the rest of the episodes. Me too. Me too. So highly recommend from the yeah. heist, the caper cast crew here. I'm sure we will have updates as we watch more of it. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. Yeah, they always put the first, like the best episode first. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I'm curious to see how this goes. But we did not come here to talk about Heist, the TV show. (laughs) We came here to talk about Muppets. Muppets. Okay, so I have a little like plot right up here. Great Muppet caper follows Kermit the Frog. Know him, love him. And Fozzie Bear, who play identical twin brother <laughs> newspaper reporters, <laughs> so which good. is just wonderful. Uh, they get fired from their job at the paper after reporting about their new jobs instead <laughs> of a jewel robbery that took place down the street. 
Uh, Kermit and Fozzie decide to fly to London to interview Lady Holiday, the famous fashion designer, and victim to ultimately figure out who's behind the robbery and to catch a scoop so big that they will get their jobs at the paperback. And in London, Kermit seeks out Lady Holiday in her office, and instead he finds her newly hired receptionist, Miss Piggy. He mistakes her for the fashion designer, and Piggy instantly falls in love with Kermit, so she poses as Lady Holiday, and Kermit asks her out for dinner. And they go to a supper club where the real Lady Holiday is also uh, having dinner. Her necklace is stolen once again by her jealous brother, Nikki, and his accomplices, Carla, Marla, and Darla. Oh, my God. (laughs) Three of her disgruntled fashion models. Uh, After the robbery, Miss Piggy's charade is revealed and she leaves Kermit behind. And despite Nikki's instant attraction to Miss Piggy, he and his accomplices frame her for the necklace theft during Lady Holiday's fashion show. They plan to steal an even more valuable prize, uh, the fabulous baseball diamond, now on display at the Mallory Gallery. Uh, Gonzo, (laughs) who has been working as a photographer, overhears the plot. So Gonzo, Kermit, Fozzie, and pretty much every Muppet ever decide to intercept the thieves and catch them red-handed to exonerate Miss Piggy. Kermit goes to the prison to explain the plan to Miss Piggy while disguised as her lawyer. And then they sneak into the Mallory Gallery, and that's kind of where the uh, the heist elements really sort of pop off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, there are, I mean, there's a huge element of this movie is a heist. But it does feel more like a caper because we are following the reporters instead yes. of the thieves. This was definitely another one of those films where, like, we started, I started watching it and then I was like, oh no, again, this is like. Well, this one it's, says it's in the title, right in the title. True. So yeah. I feel like we they, got what we they paid understood. For. Yeah. They understood. They didn't call it the Great Muppet Heist, you know? True, 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 true. And it is like, it's like, it's all of the kind of umbrella things that we talked about rolled into one, you know, there's like an escape with Miss Piggy and there's the heist and then there's just general capers abound. And it really kind of mishmashes all of the films like the, and the sub genres we've talked about so far into one film. And then it's just like, but wait, what if we're also a musical and it has Muppets? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Gotta th- I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there's no Muppet movie without music, right? I'm trying to think. Yeah, because like Treasure Island, Christmas Carol. Oh, they all sing. Like, yeah, they all sing. I wonder if there are any other musical heists on our list. I wonder. I'm going to look through and see. And if not, there should be more because I was into it. <laughs> I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of musicals on that list. Although... No. <laughs> It would be very fun if there were like a live action, like serious musical heist movie. I would watch that. I'm finding that I'm like drawn more towards these like lighthearted, rompy kind of heist movies. I know. I feel like I had a great time with Top Copy and How to Steal a Million. Like they're heisty, but also there's this element of like, we're just having fun. This is a crazy movie. It's not taking itself too seriously. Like Inside Man, 
not a bad movie by any means, like well shot, well acted. It's well done, but it just was lacking that fun component. And there's, it's such a campy genre to play around with. There's so many fun things you can do with heist movies. Obviously you can also do serious things, but you're right. Like I'm really enjoying the fun stuff. And like, we briefly texted about this, the fashion too. I know. I'm like, oh, fashion turns out to be a big part of like heist movies, or at least yeah. like it's In something I am now looking forward to as we are watching them. I'm like, oh, yeah. they got an outfit about them, or like, oh, the like, I don't know. I have added it to our our list of tropes. So yes, I didn't. I don't consider myself like I enjoy fashion. I can appreciate fashion. And all that. I don't consider myself a fashion person, but I feel like that is something I've gravitated to for sure as we, mm-hmm. you know, as we're on this journey. Cause it's a lot of really fun outfits. And there's definitely like a look, you know, you kind of think of heist movies, you think of cat burglars, you think of like the yeah. black cat suit. And like there really hasn't been a lot of that aside from, again, Inside Man which is like the jumpsuits. I think that's like kind of the closest we've gotten to that traditional, like, or stereotypical rather, like cat burglar look, right? So I don't know. It's been really fun to see how fashion incorporates into the movies. I just like, I, I feel like I should have realized this before we started watching all of these movies, but like, I guess when you're stealing diamonds or stealing jewels or emeralds, like there is an element of like glamour, yeah. To like, I want this thing. I don't know. And so, so sometimes the fashion reflects that. I mean, even with like, okay, Loop in the TV show mm-hmm. that we we're talking about, like they're in the, the museum and everyone's in tuxedos and like looking good because, you know, they're at an event. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, we have this thread coming through of like, oh, sometimes in these heist movies, everyone gets black tie. Yeah, it's it's been a fun kind of like surprise. And you're right. Like it's something if you think about, you're like, oh, they rob these events. They rob things. They rob rich people. Rich people dress nice to like get away with it. You either look like the rich people or you fit in like a janitor or or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's always I feel like in a lot of cases that transition where they have to, you know, fit in with who they're trying to rob and yeah, I don't know. I didn't think about that going into this either, but I'm curious to see what else we do. I've seen Great Muppet Caper many times and <laughs> it's fun to watch it now, like after seeing so many heist movies. And I did not expect it to check off that box of like glamorous thieves yeah. because there is a moment where they all go to the supper club and everybody is decked out to the max. So, and I guess because Lady Holiday is a fashion designer. Yes. Can we talk about the clothes that she designs for a quick second, please, before we get on to the heist? This is all pre-heist. Yeah. What are these clothes that this lady is designing? I mean, I know it's the 80s, but still. (laughs) They're they're pretty extravagant. I mean, she self-proclaims them like hideous, but she's just trying to be, you know, self-deprecating. They're not genuinely supposed to be hideous but I think they're supposed to have that angle of like what people think of when they think of fashion which is like avant-garde and like Mm kind of just like big and over the top lots of ruffles so many ruffles 
and, and like the pastel kind of metallic colors, all of the outfits are just like that silky material too. Mm-hmm. It They don't really give you any context to like what she's trying to go for or like what other no, collections look like. She's like, she's doing that thing that like Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada where she's like, maybe she paved the way for this role of, of like her on a winter moment yeah. of like, she's passing through and she's looking at all her models and she's like, she's like snipping someone's hair and she's like yes. doing this walk and talk and she's like cutting a hair and ripping a hem and like dumping a bottle of ink on it. Like now it's better, but I'm just like, how does anybody, I don't know. It was very, and funny. then Miss Piggy's whole thing is like, she's like, I want to be a supermodel. Like mm-hmm. she just like waltzes in and like watches this, you know, her berating all the other models and is like, this is for me. I want this. Yeah. She's like, this Um, is chic. I need it. I know. I love Miss Piggy. Uh, And yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. And then I don't know. I don't remember anything that holiday wears herself. That's particularly like eye catching. It's all about the models and like what she's presenting. Cause like her herself doesn't actually seem particularly fashion forward you know like it's like she I think for her it's all about like her jewelry because yeah, that's her accessories what's right little black dress so, and like right and then the giant necklace because that's what it's about she does have that cute little pill bottle hat with the veil that yeah. sort of reminded me of Audrey Hepburn's yes. little veiled outfit yeah I'm wondering if I mean, obviously we don't have access to the costume designers. We don't have access to like what they were really kind of going through, what was going through their minds. But I'm interested to see how much of things like, again, How to Steal a Million and Top Copy, like inspired later papers and heists. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many iconic looks that we've already seen already in, you know, again, this is only episode six. And there are are definitely things that I think will stick with us throughout this journey, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just, I, I loved seeing the, the models in there, like going to rob her at the supper club outfits with like the kooky hats and the yeah. capes. It was great. I, I think like the only thing I texted you, well, one of the only things I texted you <laughs> while we were watching this was like, why is Gonzo so obsessed with chickens? That's like, been Gonzo's thing for a long time. Yeah, and I know that, but like, it was one of those moments where like, I'm watching it by myself. So it's like, all right, it's time to pause and do some Googling while it's on my mind. And <laughs> it's just, I love the Muppets. I love these writers that have these zany ideas and are just like, yeah, Gonzo, what's Gonzo? We don't know what Gonzo is, but he loves chickens. He loves them. Why not? Why not? I don't know which movie it is. I feel like all of the Muppet movies kind of mesh together in my mind, Mm. but I do know that doesn't he have like a circus act with them and he like fires them out of cannons. I think so. I think I know what you're talking about, but I hear that like, this is the movie that uh, solidified his posit like his being as a whatever, because when they are on the plane, they're labeled bear, frog, whatever. And that's when he is officially labeled Oh, whatever. For the first time. I love it. He's just so quirky and weird and just, I, I love him so much. But okay, before we get into like heist stuff, um, right. 
two things. So we've been referencing a like new system and Whitney and I, we're going to kind of, we wanted to create a system where we talked a little bit about specific stereotypes that we see in heist films and kind of check off certain boxes. Because obviously, if you've been listening to all the episodes so far, first of all, thank you. And second of all, (laughs) you've probably recognized that we are realizing what are kind of capers and what are true heist films. So we wanted to have like a system to kind of discuss what meets the heist criteria. So if you've seen us online, we've been asking, you know, what are stereotypical heist tropes that you love? And we are adding and compiling those things into a list for us to discuss later on after we discuss the heist films. Is that kind of encapsulate? Yeah, kind of like a checklist of like, which tropes does this movie fall into? Or what, which trope, which of our favorite tropes happen in this movie? Or like, what are we missing? Or this one needed a, Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. trope? Or, you know, like, oh, this, this movie would have been so much better if it had that element of, oh, this is our one last heist or whatever, you know? Exactly. So we just wanted to have like a fun little system to kind of do an evaluation in a kind of unofficial way. You can check that out, obviously, a little later on when we get into the heist component of things. And the second thing, my favorite part about this was the ongoing gag of Bozzy and Kermit being identical twins. I knew it as the the minute they introduced that bit. I'm like, oh no, this reminds me of Stephanie so much. Like this is like absolutely the kind of joke she would tell for any number of stories. (laughs) I was dying. And like, I remembered parts of this. And again, I watched this not that long ago, but I somehow, you just know that like, there's parts that you kind of forget and then they're just delightful to you all over again. And this was Mm. so one of them because there's just so many bits throughout. There's like a part where like Kermit winds up on a park bench later on and there's a couple that walk by and they're like, oh, look at that bear. And they're like, no, that's a frog. (laughs) Like you could ever mistake a bear for a frog, but there's just all of these gags. And when they get fired, Oh my God. So their boss is obviously like, get out of here. I only did this. And he says, I only hired you because your old man was a friend of mine. And he holds up a photo. (laughs) Oh my God, the photo. I paused because I laughed for five minutes. I swear to God. And it is a photo of Fozzie photoshopped green with Kermit's green collar of like the little spikes. Yes. I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. And Whitney was like, you started the movie after me and you a hundred percent finished the movie before me and kept just having moments like that, where I was completely undone. It made me laugh so hard. There are just so many great gag. I mean, it, they also love to do the gag where they like reference that they are in a movie Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I love when Kermit and Piggy are arguing over how bad her acting is in the movie they're currently shooting. And she's <laughs> like, she like looks at Kermit. She's like, I'm going to walk. And then she like turns and looks right down the camera. Should I walk? And I'm just like, oh my God, this is so funny. This is like a reality TV moment before there was a hint yeah. of reality TV. 
was making me laugh. It's so good. All right. Here's a quick question for you. So what kind of energy, what Muppet energy do you have, Whitney? Who is your like soulmate Muppet? Well, see, I wish I was like Miss Piggy. I love her. She is like an idol to me, but I feel like I probably fit somewhere more around like a Janice vibe (laughs) in my (laughs) everyday life. I mean, or I, you know, I guess I have too much anxiety to be Janice. Yeah. I mean, I could see that a little bit though. You could have like a mix. It's just kind of quirky and weird. (laughs) Um, I don't know who, who is your, I think I feel like I have the chaotic Miss Picky energy. Like I have that big, you know, like that is like Uh me, but I also feel like very gonzo-y, like just chaotic gonzo with, or chaotic Miss Piggy with like weird gonzo energy. I can see gonzo for you a lot. He's got that big heart under all the chaos. I love, I love him. And I also very much love Rizzo the rat, but like specifically Rizzo. Rizzo always jumps out to me too. I'm like, oh, Rizzo's so good. (laughs) I love the combo of him and Rizzo, especially in A Christmas Carol. Yeah, he's great in Christmas Carol. Ugh, so good. That is maybe one of my like favorite Christmas movies, but we are not talking Muppets Christmas Carol. I'm sorry. I'm derailing. Maybe I'm Scooter. Oh, I, I like know. that. I like that too. <laughs> I could see that. So, okay, okay, okay. Let me see. There's just so much. Like, I know we're a heist podcast. I do. <laughs> but like when it comes to Muppets, there's just so many things. I want to talk about like the John Cleese cameo. I know. I know. I, as I was watching it, I'm like, there's so much in this movie to talk about that has nothing to do with the robberies or heists at all. I know. I remembered the John Cleese scene being a lot shorter than it is. Me too. It goes on. It goes on for so long. And like just this casual conversation, like, I'll say, did you say there's a pig climbing the roof or like (laughs) so absurd and Miss Piggy just breaking into their house so that she can keep the ruse up with Kermit that she's actually Miss Holiday. Is it Miss Holiday? Yeah. Lady Holiday. Lady Holiday. Lady Holiday. And the knocking on the door and then that British, somebody shouldn't be here. Why are we getting the door? We don't want to get the door. And Miss Piggy, I'll <laughs> get the door. <laughs> and then just like not being bothered by this. And no, he's like, I thought you said the pets were dead. <laughs> it's there's so many good parts. And then like Kermit wanting to come in for a tour. And uh, and the fact just, that she doesn't even say no, she's like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they do that whole thing. And they wind up in the closet. John Cleese is, you know, getting ready to be like, someone's here. Oh no, what are we going to do? And opens up the closet. And Miss Piggy has like the audacity to be like, what does she say? Oh, thank you, Jeeves. No time for cocktails. <laughs> I know. She's so good. Oh, and then the part right after that, where the wife was like, is that the pig that was climbing the walls? And he goes, that's the chap. That's the chap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is like part of the trivia section that we usually do, but since we're talking about it now, John Cleese apparently is much younger in 1981. They grade his hair to match her vibe so that he would appear older. Yes. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I love John Cleese so much. Like it was such a fun cameo. I love that they managed to, cause like sometimes you watch the Muppet movies and people are just in there for just a, a flash. Yeah. yeah. And this was such a great, silly way to integrate him for, again, a longer than I thought or I remembered yes, period of they time. they spend a lot of time just like discussing the weather and being like very quiet, boring British couple. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, how many stereotypes can we throw into this scene yeah. about British life, British, you know, culture and in fact, people. <laughs> yeah. John Cleese is the person that recommends the, the restaurant which is really right. more of a supper club to <laughs> right. Miss Vicky. That's kind of where, I mean, there's kind of the robbery elements throughout mm-hmm. the early part of the film, but the supper club is where it kind of makes takes off. Yeah. Yeah. Into like full blown caper. The, the caper, the caper bits are like the kickoff of the caper at the supper club is so great. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like the whole scene of the dance number. And like, now we're introduced, like we, we get to see that lady holidays, annoying brother who she has mentioned before is there. And we're like, wait, is that the guy from the opening song? Oh yeah. 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 We have those like really cute moments where she's like, I shouldn't be wearing the necklace. I feel like thieves are breathing down my neck. And he's like talking to her neck that thieves aren't breathing down your neck and like so much happens in that one scene. It's like, we have a Kermit and piggy falling deeper in love. We have well, Fozzie's there, right? <laughs> we have Kermit and piggy just dis- like he discovers that she's not who she says he is. So they fall out. We have the robbery. We have like so much happens in this one yeah. scene all around the big musical number that's happening. It's chaotic but also like the song is so catchy it's so fun Mm -hmm. and miss piggy is just at the center of it all and lady holiday's like i think that's my assistant and he's like and nikki her brother who falls instantly in love with miss piggy is like oh she's wonderful and she's like oh she's 45 words per minute they're so average (laughs) (laughs) it's so good you know like muppets the writers have such a specific kind of comedy you know like it's like there's the puns and just the silly on the nose things that they go for like they they go for the low-hanging fruit but they make it funny and not kind of like tasteless and I don't know there's something so special about Muppet movies they're so specifically you know Muppet humor yes Oh, how do we get that, Whitney? How do we get the Muppet writer <laughs> I humor? Think, I mean, I think we could get close to it. I think we could get around it. I think it would have to just become our own kind because the Muppets are just untouchable. It's true. It's so good. Um, it's worth noting quickly, too. I think because uh, Charles Grodin, 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 because he just passed away. He didn't did. He? Yeah. Like, I just remember... It hadn't been like that long since I'd watched it recently before this week. And I was like, oh, that's Nikki from Muppets. Oh, yeah. 
So sad. They put out a nice statement about him when he passed away saying that like, it's very hard to hold your own against the Muppets and like be standout and memorable. And that he definitely accomplished that with his part in this movie, which is so true. Right. I, I really, Michael Caine is obviously also a huge person. I think of when you think of Muppets movies Mm -hmm. and I just feel like if I was an actor with a bunch of Muppets everywhere, I just like wouldn't be able to stop smiling and laughing the whole time. <laughs> right? Very hard to play angry against a Muppet, I'm sure. Yeah. How could you do anything even half seriously, like talking to Kermit? Like, again, I'm thinking of like Christmas Carol when I said I wouldn't talk about other Muppets movies, but thinking of him yelling at Kermit as Scrooge. And I'm like, how could you yell at Kermit? (laughs) I guess like, if you do think about the Muppet movies, it's like the people who go up against the Muppets are usually like big, big, like, yeah. And you have Tim Curry, Tim Curry. Yeah. (laughs) And this, um, Charles Grodin, Grodin, Grodin. Oh my God. Why can I not say that last name? Um, I just, he has this obsession with Miss Piggy. He's like in love with her. Yes, instantly. And it's like partially just silly, but then it's also believable. And he's just like, you're beautiful. Wow. (laughs) You're a knockout. Run away with me. (laughs) It's delightful. It's just, I love this idea of Miss Piggy being this bombshell that just knocks people off their like I mean she is she is she is but I genuinely just love a scene where it's just like (laughs) I am in love with this Muppet so very seriously and that's gonna be bad oh so good okay so do you want to take a quick break and then come back and talk about the heist bits let's do it let's take a break Are you looking for a connection? Try our new app, Rainbow. Because rainbows have nothing to hide. For the lovers, dreamers, and you. Try Rainbow. We're back and it's time to talk about more capers. Slash a kind of heist. (laughs) Kind of heist? As heisty as this one gets. Mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. mad about it. I'm not I can't mad be mad about, about it. it. It's true. <laughs> I, I was watching, you know, that I, I paused for a second to be like, okay, the heist starts now. And there was only 25 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> I mean, okay. But here's the thing though, about heist movies that I feel like I'm starting to recognize. It's like, that seems to be what happens. Like yeah. in how to steal a million they don't like go to steal that statue until like the last, I don't know, third of the movie. I feel That's like true. I feel like a lot, same with Top Copy. Like, yeah, I feel like a lot of these movies are all about the like the build up to the heist because as soon as you do the heist, like, although, okay, so Inside Top Man was Copy, totally different. True. Top Copy, yeah. however, was like heist through and through. Like they were planning at the beginning. Yes. yes. Like it's, I think, the exception so far where the entire movie revolves around everything moves forward to the heist itself. Right. Absolutely. And then of course, you know, like the last X number of minutes is the heist being played out. Whereas I think with this, 
again, we were promised a caper, <laughs> not a heist. Right. And so the 25 minutes was everything. It's like, all right, we're going to start planning now. And I know that's <laughs> true. That's very true. <laughs> the but whole thing 25 minutes less to go. We finally see a map on a table and yeah. a suitcase with some equipment in it. Exactly. So that is my only like differentiating to yeah. everything else. You know, again, like you said, not mad about it. I was promised capers, not necessarily a heist. And I was promised Muppets. I got what I wanted. Yeah. You know? Um, I love the scene, the checking off of the stuff scene, the like, are we ready? Are we prepared? Do we have, and on one hand, we have the criminals, the thieves who have like, they're like the laser thing, the, you know, mm-hmm. the blow torch, like the professionals. Crazy, yes. The crazy made up instruments and gadgets, the likes and- of which we have only heard about in the commercials of this very podcast. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, we go to the hero side, the journalist's side, the Muppet <laughs> side, and they're like, rubber chicken, no. They don't have any of it. They, like, have the wildest list of stuff, and yet yep. the only thing I think they have is a yo-yo. <laughs> it's so good. I love that whole thing. And I love that they do that kind of, like, cartoon strip thing where they're just like, what's going to happen next time? And then they're just like, and they escaped. Like you resume the comic and it's just like, you missed all that other stuff. They just tell you. Yeah. And the group are like, how are we going to do this? We need a plan. Let's go plan. And then it just all happens off, off camera. Yeah. They're just like, well, off to bed we go. And then all of a sudden they have their pizza. They're plan. starting. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. The pizza plan. (sighs) I laughed. This was genuinely, I have like notes open here. And half of this note is literally just me writing out like laughing noises. And (laughs) I just, I'm writing these as I'm watching the movie, but their whole plan to break into the museum, they don't really have a plan. They resort to Yes. Uh, after their plan, their air quotes plans have failed and they've decided to become the pizza twins. Oh, twins. My God. <laughs> the twins, it's the gag that never ceases to be delightful. It's so silly. The guy, I, I didn't order a pizza. Oh, what's your name? Oh, Henderson. It says right here, Henderson. <laughs> it's like, okay, can I see the paper? And they're like, no, <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> no. Oh, it doesn't say that after all. Oh, like, yes, yeah. a big pepperoni pizza for you. He's like, but I hate pepperoni. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and meanwhile, like all the Muppets are sneaking in behind them and trying mm-hmm. to get in. I think we skipped over the fact that they met up with all of these Muppets at the Happiness Hotel. They were looking yes. for like, you know, what's a free place to stay. stay. Yeah. And then this hotel hostel of Muppets. Yeah. They just happens to exist. It's a Muppet hostel. Yeah. Um, And the line that Fozzie says, this is the happy one. I don't want to see what the sad one looks like. I know. It's so good. Um, Um, Right. So the gang for the happiness hotel, all of the Muppets. No, 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 no. It's okay. Decide. 
they're going to break in. They try to do the pizza plan. The Muppets are all sneaking behind them. The thieves are like expertly moving through the museum undetected. They're like disengaging alarms, which is great because they're also disengaging the alarms for the Muppets who are also sneaking in. But possibly my favorite part of this like sneak in scene is the Muppets make it past the guards. They start climbing up a drain pipe because these dogs, these German shepherds are barking at them (laughs) and chasing them. They chase them all the way up a pipe and they hit the roof and they're fine. And Rolf, our famous dog Muppet, Mm -hmm. turns Mm -hmm. around and goes, let me talk to them. And he puts his head over the thing, goes, woof, woof. (laughs) (laughs) Stop barking. And I don't know. I that just like really they didn't even try to make him sound like a real dog barking. He literally <laughs> just says woof. And the dogs are like, oh, okay, and they walk away. <laughs> uh, seems legit. Again, it's just that Muppet writing. There's nothing that compares to it. You know, no. it's so silly and it's so simple. Like you you kind of like play out the jokes and you're like, of course it was that. Right. But it works because they're the Muppets and they just sell all of it so well. Like, I love that so much. Just, yeah, woof, woof. What would you have said to them? Like, right? <laughs> it's so oh, man. Good. So, and of I course, this, here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, of course, this naturally takes them directly to where the heist is taking place overhead. Yes, they happen to meet up at exactly the same time, the same room. They make a, a I was going to say a human chain, but no, they make a Muppet chain. A I guess. Muppet chain, yeah. Dangle from the roof into the room that has the baseball diamond. Um, they sort of like lock eyes with the thieves. They're like, you've been caught. They try to keep the diamond away from the thieves. They're playing like a big game of like keep away which turns into a game of baseball which once again (laughs) is like playing into like oh let's make the baseball diamond pun just like one level deeper even more yep love it um nikki eventually catches a diamond and takes kermit hostage with a gun (gasps) like i was surprised to see a gun in a muppet movie like I don't know what I just was. I was like, oh, they did it. They went there, pulled out a gun. Yeah, you couldn't just like think of them as being like wholesome. And if somebody's going to pull out anything, it'd be like a switchblade. And it's like, right. oh no. Although I feel like there was guns in Muppet Treasure Island too. Like I feel I'm sure like there was. I'm just, yeah. I was just a little like, oh, a gun. Yeah. And to a Muppet, you can't threaten Muppets. But of course, Piggy, while all of this is happening, escapes from prison. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> she races to, to the gallery, hitchhiking or attempting to hitchhike and then carjacking a giant truck. Oh. Uh, and then she eventually crashes through the window right when Kermit is taken hostage on a motorcycle mm-hmm. that serendipitously fell off the back of a different truck yes, in front of, of her. Course. And, and she knocks out Nikki and dispatches Carla, Marla, and Darla with a fur- flurry of furious karate chops. She's also had a costume change and like is like real fancy oh, yeah. and like went from prison like gear to or oh, was right. she wearing the swimsuit through the prison? No, suit? I think 
I think what happens is that the motorcycle and gosh, I can't, I just saw this. I don't know if I remember. Yeah. But like the motorcycle falls off like a circus sort of, or like a performer's truck. Yeah. Like Cause it's like Knievel. an evil Knievel. Yeah. And I think it also has on top of it, the outfit because she's decked out in this new like jumpsuit with a yeah. cape and Sparkles a helmet. And yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's all just so Muppets. Yep. And of course she saves the day and clears her name. Nobody's mm-hmm. questioning how she got out. But I do love the scene where she like uses her piggy <laughs> strength to like bend the iron bars. I love when the puppeteers do that thing with their faces where they like purse where their faces like, like crunch it. <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh every time. And she's just like Argh! and pulling the it other apart. Ladies in the jail are like, go for it. <laughs> so good. Uh so yeah. <laughs> I love that they just, she saves the day while also mm-hmm. being a fugitive. So, yeah. <sighs> so good. It was wonderful. I loved it. So, I, mean, I feel like, yes, once again, not exactly a heist, but I don't, ca- I didn't care. I didn't care. <laughs> it's, it's really true. You know, we, again, we went into this knowing what we were getting I definitely forgot how little I knew there was a heist component to it I forgot how short that component (laughs) really was ultimately um but how can you you can't be mad at Muppets you can't no get what you pay for and what you pay for is perfection exactly as is apparently critics hated it really (laughs) yes how they're I monsters they, i know i'm like get a life roger <laughs> ebert or whoever in 1981 like <laughs> they a lot of people gave it to uh, i was so mad that people didn't like it that i didn't even like copy and paste the reviews to read they were just saying that like they were disappointed that it was so unfocused and like they were saying that if they weren't the muppets like the plot wouldn't make any sense. I'm like, well, they are the Muppets. So good thing. Good thing. Like, do people not like joy? (laughs) No, it made me so mad. Maybe they don't like Muppet legs. Like my partner, Kurt. I know we have a lot to talk about Muppet legs now. I was going to say we should probably just do it. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't mind it. And I personally find it funny, but mostly because Kirk like is like screaming. Like he's like, ah, like every single time a Muppet leg is shown, he's like sacrilege. And it delights me. It might make me a horrible partner, but like every time he's like, I hate it, turn it off. It <laughs> makes me laugh so hard. So now every time I see Muppet legs, it just delights me. And there's like that five minute scene of them on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Or- I was <laughs> sitting there watching because you had told me about this aversion yeah. to Muppet legs. And I'm like, Oh, Stephanie's partner is not going to like this one. There is a lot of Muppet yeah. legs in this movie. <laughs> and then there's like the very end credits where they're all parachuting out of the plane and it's all just Muppet legs. And Oh, it makes me laugh. And he made me do a poll on Twitter. He was like, Stephanie, I can't be the only one who hates Muppet legs. Go pull. And albeit there are people who do not like the legs of Muppets also. Sure. 
but I think people are largely unbothered mostly, mostly by Muppet Legs. I think for the most part, for like 98% of this movie, I'm able to just like put it out of my mind and enjoy it and who cares. And then there's that one shot of Miss Piggy diving into the pool where you know it's a person (laughs) wearing Miss Piggy suit and you're like, oh no, went a little too uncanny valley there for me. Mm-hmm. what but then the shot is over and you're like okay whatever we're back in <laughs> yes and that scene is so funny and just like random you know there are a lot of disjointed parts to the film yeah and, but it's just it's so bonkers that you can't help but love it you know there's this whole synchronized swimming I routine mean- it is in her head. It's her fantasy. Yeah. It's not like exactly. she's all of a sudden the runway actually turns into a pool. She's exactly. just having a moment in her head of like what kind of fabulous model she is to the point of now we're having a synchronized swimming routine. Naturally, of course. <laughs> but it's just, it's so delightful. I can't imagine watching any Muppets movie and you know, coming away from that being like, Ugh, whatever, this isn't Two what stars. I wanted. Like, yeah. You shouldn't have, get to star review Muppet movies. They're you know, just on their own level. Sometimes I think we get this too, or at least I notice this too, when we both write middle grade fiction and like graphic novels. And right. sometimes it's like hard to have adults reviewing things that aren't made for them. You know, yes. like Muppets are for everybody. I wholeheartedly believe, but the primary audience for these things are like kids. And I think people kind of sometimes forget that that is, they're not the main audience. And it's hard for me. I don't know for you too. reading reviews from people who don't understand it's for kids. It's brutal. It's I've had awful. Like where, you know, a grown man has read one of my middle grade graphic novels and be like, I saw the twist coming. I'm like, congratulations, grown right? man. I like- know we've had the same thing, you know, oh my God, Medusa's in it. And they're like, oh, well, we saw that coming. Okay, Gary, you're 45. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Kids are just discovering Greek mythology, you know, let them have fun with it. Also, if a kid figures out the twist, Good. I want them to feel smart. I want them to feel like they yeah. were able to piece it together. Like and if I they want, don't, they just enjoy the journey. They have an exciting moment. Right. Exactly. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, you know, like it's it's hard sometimes, I think, watching or reading reviews of things where the content isn't made for that person. And they just like don't get the value of what it is. It's like if it's not fine art like why am I reviewing this you know right you have to think about who it's for is it the appropriate for you know let kids review kids media honestly give them a column in the New York Times a 10 year old please <laughs> honestly unless they hate our books in which case revoke that column <laughs> no whatever they can if I know, the kid doesn't I know. like it they cannot like it I that's know. fine that is I can fine. be fair <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, I think it's hard, you know, like Muppets is so fun and yeah, some people really lack joy in their lives. They really do. <laughs> just let you it know? in, let it into your just, heart, just people. Let, Have a laugh. Have fun with life. Where's your inner child? Say hello. Get on a hot air balloon and sing a song. 
Oh my God. That hot air balloon opening too. Like it makes no sense, but I love it. Okay. I don't care. So the hot air balloon, let's get into some <gasps> trivia. Oh, okay. Tell me. Apparently they were in a plane across from the actual hot air balloon. Like there were actual Muppets in an actual hot air balloon being controlled by like a radio wave. And at one point something happened and Fozzie caught on fire. Like there was some disasters with this thing. Like in my mind, I thought that it was all fake, but apparently not. Apparently they caught on fire. (gasps) No. I know. Crazy. Traumatizing. I, I mean, right? If a kid saw a hot air balloon coming down with the Muppets on fire. Yeah. Fire. I'm like, that makes me think of like Chicken Run. Like how many spare Muppets do you have? Like, we're going to talk about at least <gasps> one of them. So, okay. Okay, okay, so, okay. Okay. So there was one scene that called for nearly 40 interchangeable piggy heads and seven piggy bodies, which is the Esther Williams swimming number. Right, right, right. And so uh, Jim Henson says, it's safe to say that no one else has ever done a sequence like this in any other film, at least not with a pig. It was a massive undertaking in a custom made heated pool measuring 50 by 80 feet. And they built it all on a soundstage. And Frank Oz uh, had to take three days of scuba training so he could direct underwater. Oh, my God. And like. And make Piggy move underwater. And on top of everything else, the scene called for special water-resistant Piggy puppets. And those puppets tended to, like, rip more easily. And they need that's why they needed, like, so many extra body parts. That's wild. And it's such a one-off scene, too. Like, you kind of wonder, was it worth that trouble that you went through? Absolutely. Like, like, I mean, I love it. I love it. I'm not <laughs> saying... Iconic. but you know like it's such a short scene that really is like you said like a figment of piggy's imagination you have to wonder if they were like why are we doing this like this is that has to be a huge chunk of their budget for that pool the extra like costumes the swimmers the the choreographers like Mm -hmm. all of those things must have cost so much compared to other scenes yeah I'm just, that seems so wild to me that they were like, this is a must. And again, it's great. I think, I think that if I had to put myself in their shoes, Muppet movie came out, Muppet movie was wonderful and excellent. And then Muppet Caper is coming out. I think that they were looking for ways to like top themselves. Mm. Yeah. Especially because it's not like today where everything can just be done CGI. Who cares? They're like, you know what? We're going to make puppets ride a freaking bicycle like and do circles and like no we're not just going to make piggy and kermit ride a bicycle we're going to make every muppet ride a bicycle all at once down the street it's like oh we're not just gonna have her walk down the runway we're gonna make her be the star of a synchronized swimming routine and have her go actually underwater like crazy the whole movie is a good time I think maybe that I have to start thinking like that with my own writing and stuff like, okay, how are we bringing, where, where's the synchronized swimming in this next book? Like, how am I upping the game kind of a thing? I love it. What am I going to make my Muppets do? Um, The scene with Kermit the Frog's shadow that dances 
separately from him took 43 takes to get right. Wow. Another thing you don't consider. Yeah. Where were the critics on this fine art? Like unappreciated, right? Unappreciated in their time. Jim Henson apparently did not like the working title for this movie, which was called Muppet Mania. And he had various friends and staff members and relatives suggest titles for the movie. Some of the more interesting titles included The Rocky Muppet Picture Show, A Froggy Day in London. And the winning title was suggested by 19-year-old Lisa Henson, who came up with The Great Muppet Capade, but also included alternative choices, escapade, uh, caper, other things. But yes, then it turned into Great Muppet yeah, Caper. I like it. Yeah, titles are hard. I I don't like the Muppet Mania. That sounds, I mean, no. now to me, it sounds like wrestling, but that's oh, yeah. a sign of the times, right? And then I think the second one, what was the second one again? Uh, a Froggy Day in London. That's like clever, cute pun, but doesn't describe the movie. Yeah. The Great Muppet Caper tells you literally exactly what you're in for. Mm-hmm. Like, what? what's that about? Uh... I'm sorry, do you need further explanation on what the great Muppet caper is about? It's, <laughs> it's all the tagline and the title. Right. So in the opening number where they're like talking about all the things that's going to be going on in the movie, Dame Diana Rigg, who plays Lady Holiday, also starred in the James Bond movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And the jewelry store that she's leaving in that opening sequence is called Bond. And apparently she is also, and I'm going to like, okay, hand in my nerd cred card, whatever. I've never seen Game of Thrones, but apparently she's a big character in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she played, she also played Emma Peel in The Avenger, which was a huge show like way back in its day. But she played in Game of Thrones. Um, She played, oh my gosh, why can I, I'm like looking at the character right now. She played the sassy old lady, Lady (laughs) Elena. Lady Elena, I think is her name. She's one of the best characters just because she's kind of, if you've watched Downton Abbey at all, Mm -hmm. like she's kind of like the Maggie Smith character Uh, of Game of Thrones. She apparently did this movie because her daughter was like obsessed with Miss Piggy. And so they brought her daughter Ah. on set and her daughter like sees the Miss Piggy puppet and like freaks out scared and like starts hysterically crying because like, I guess seeing a Muppet in real life is probably a lot different than seeing it on a screen. Never meet your heroes. Right? (laughs) (laughs) She said she thinks that Miss P was actually like a lot bigger than her daughter also expected her to be. Because I guess on a screen, you can't really tell. Anyway, but here's... (laughs) So the song, The First Time It Happens, the song that takes place in the Supper Club was nominated for Best Original Song at the 1982 Oscars, but it did not win. Oh, they were robbed. Robbed. We talked about this in Chicken Run. And Muppets is obviously not an animated movie per se, but children's no, movies... Where does it fit? <laughs> yeah, but children's movies and animated movies by proxy, they weren't really taken seriously in that capacity until... The year of Chicken Run, which again we talked about. Anywho, 
Should we go on our trope list or? <gasps> yes. Again, we mentioned the trope list. We started building this. I'm sure it'll evolve over time because this is a new segment. Yes, segment. That's the word I'm looking for. So heist planning. Do we see the plan ahead of time? Absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> we, we, get a, covered... we, get, we get a checklist. And we do get the um, the fact that we know they're planning something, but it immediately cuts away because they don't want to spend another 30 minutes on the film. Right. So no, we do not see the plan ahead of time. It's possibly very little to no planning at all. What's next? We have our heist characters, our gadget guy, the muscle of brains, the demolitions expert, each doing their job. We don't really see that. We don't get an intro to any of them. Yeah. In fact, no one really wants to be involved in this at all. Like, they are very reluctant to partake. But they are given a rousing speech and they They do come around. I will say... Lou Zealand makes a, a quite a appearance as I am a guy who likes to throw things with this baseball diamond, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but he is not necessarily a gadget guy or a no. person of any kind. I think if we're talking, you and I know what we mean by this. And it's like yes. a very specific thing where it's like part of the planning where it's like, oh, we've got the leader, we've got the brains, we've got this person. And they definitely don't have any of that. Like no, that's- No, no, no. No. All right. So diamond cash, is that what they're after? Technically also yes and no. <laughs> I mean, our characters who are doing the heist are after a diamond. Mm-hmm. Our characters who are trying to- are the, but the main characters of this one are trying to thwart. stop a heist. Yes, thwart. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. So we do have a big diamond at play, and we do have some jewels at play. So, like, I'll say that's like a half a point. It's like sure. neither here nor there. Right. Disguises? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, there's Kermit, first of all, in the jail with Miss Piggy posing as yes, the lawyer. The lawyer. And she's like, I don't have a lawyer. (laughs) And the pizza twins. And the pizza twins. Yeah, that's kind of it though, isn't it? I mean, if you really want to stretch it, we could say Miss Piggy disguises herself as Lady Holiday, but that's definitely on the caper end. Yeah, that's like a ruse rather than. Yes. But there's like a few in within the heist moments. I definitely think the pizza twins counts as like I think that clinches it (laughs) yeah okay so glamorous thieves which I think is like us just I'm putting it in there because it's now my favorite heist trope and I want to see them all the time (laughs) I'd say that we have glamorous thieves we have Carla Marla Darla yes and like they're beautiful they're disgruntled they want they want to stop being made fun of and being called birds (laughs) (laughs) yeah So it has that. Yes. Check. What else? We have heist reveal, which I'm not, is that like the reveal of the plan? Did I write this? I feel like maybe I did. Um, Yeah. I feel like the reveal is like when you don't know what's happening and then all of a sudden it comes together. You see him bust through the wall at the bank and inside man. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Speaking of that, him coming through the wall and inside man. As we were watching um, this heist movie, Roger was like, oh, 
this guy's the inside inside man of this movie, like because he was like doing an inside. And I was like asking him about it. And he's like, how come inside man didn't actually have any inside man? He's like, nobody from the bank was like in on it. I was like, because he was inside the whole time. And that's what they meant by inside man. Like he, literally inside. Yes. And two weeks later, he's like, oh. <laughs> I definitely, when we were watching it, was like, oh, who's the inside man? I forget this movie. And mm-hmm. I, I forgot that for sure. So it took him a little while to realize. I don't think I made that connection until literally just now. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm on Roger's side on this one, but like, okay. I don't know. I don't think I processed the name. I was just like, yeah, this sounds, this sounds fine. Sure. <laughs> I'm also the fool that did not pick up on that either. So whoopsie. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Oh my God. No, <laughs> I find this very funny. I find it very funny. Don't worry. I think it's hilarious. Tell Roger that I commiserate with him for this. Absolutely. He'll, he'll hear it. So heist reveal. We didn't really have a heist reveal because there was no real plan. It was just yeah. like, let's get in there, get Mayhem. the diamond and get out. Mania just even. had mania. We also have smart cop, dumb cop. Well, I think a little bit in terms of like the security guard, but yeah. like, I don't That's think. about as copy yeah. as it gets. Yeah. I don't think but- we really have this though. He's just kind of like there for comedic, for the pizza twins comedic He relief. does believe that the. He's like thankful that he could give the dogs the pepperoni. That's like that's true. not exactly bright, but yes, it's I agree. Dogs he's, that Rolf called off. Yes, he's more of a guard, I guess, and less of a cop. They're they're never these robbers are never in pursuit by police. Only no. Muppets. Everything going wrong was part of the plan. There was no, no plan. Yeah, None there was no happened. plan. Also, nothing really. I mean, things went wrong. But not for long. Not for long. What's the last one? Um, so like when they drag in a demolitions oh. expert or like the guy who knows how to heist, but he's like over it. He's like retired and they drag him in for one last heist. The old boys. Which, like, yeah. So no, we definitely, this is not that. Yeah. Definitely more of a caper. Yeah. Like we established. Yeah. To be fair, we knew it going in. We did. And we Loved it anyways. So I would say, in my humble opinion, that this is more of a heist movie than Chicken Run. Yes. Because I would we agree. do have a diamond getting stolen. We do yeah. have multiple robberies. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it it fits in there. I don't know if you use the app Letterboxd at all, or it's like on a website too, but it's like a movie. I've heard of this. But I, I've I've started. I'm tracking the movies that we've watched and I'm ranking them in terms of like heist, like which are the best heists. Oh, yeah. this is a way so, to do it. I'm going to do should, this too. And we okay. can compare yeah. after a bunch. Oh okay, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, we should do this and then have like an end of year, the movie so far. And then we could do. I love yeah, it. I, okay. We will get you set up on this afterwards. Um, <laughs> so to wrap up again, like we suspected, and the title tells us Muppet Caper is in fact a caper, but it's a good time and everyone should watch it if you haven't somehow already seen it. And if you have already seen it, but it's been a while, just watch it again. Everything is so heavy out in the world right now. Watch yourself a Muppet Caper and just laugh at it. 
you'll have a great time. Really well. And uh, next time for episode seven, we will be watching um, a more heisty film. Yes. Uh, yes. We'll be watching it up. We will be watching the 1995 flick Usual Suspects. I feel like everybody has seen this movie but me. So I'm really excited to see it. <gasps> oh, I haven't seen it in a very long time. So I'm I'm curious to revisit it. And then I'm really curious to have your thoughts as a first time watcher of it. It's going to be a good one. And after that, we'll be talking about Fast Five. We won't get into how excited I'm Oh my gosh, yes. A little, yes. Oh, on the horizon, lots of crazy movies. Um, Stephanie, what do you have going on in your world lately? Oh my gosh. Well, again, still continuing the promo train for Paranorthern, which came out <laughs> in July. Uh, you can go to paranorthern.net to go check out more about that. That is my latest middle grade graphic novel. Um, but you can find me at Hello Cookie on Twitter or Instagram to find out everything else that I've got going on. Whitney, what about you? I am on Twitter at Hey Whitney. My website, heywhitney.com. I also have a graphic novel out this summer, uh, Long Distance. We talked about our books quite a few times on the podcast already. They are great books. If you like the Muppets, you will love both of these books. They are both very silly, both wacky, mm-hmm. off the wall, Monty Python, Muppets, whatever. Yes. You'll have a fun time. Good summer read. Voice them on your children. <laughs> or voice them on yourselves. Have a good time. Exactly. Uh, but that's that's basically it for me. And I would like to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast because this has been really fun. It really has. We had this idea to do this show and I think we were both like fully like all in. But <laughs> right away. Yeah, we were like, let's do this thing. And then immediately started recording and figuring this all out. But it's just been so much fun to explore these movies, to explore these tropes and to like get to hang out with you every week. Whitney, it's like, it's been, it's been really great. It's been a lot of fun. And thanks for hanging in there while we figure it out and we uh, add new segments and whatever. You can also, if you have comments, suggestions or anything, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram at CaperCastPod or email us at podcast at capercast.com. You can leave us a voice message at capercast.com too. We have all of the options for you. And Mm -hmm. make sure if you enjoy this, leave us a nice little review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That would be amazing. It helps boost us in those pesky algorithms and gets us (laughs) in front of more people to talk about heists with them too. So yeah, that's it for us. Can't wait to see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. The CaperCast is hosted by Stephanie Cook and Whitney Gardner. Our theme music is by the very talented Emily Milling.